Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, hello and welcome to this, your May edition of the Reds Review, your audio pod... Oh, God, bollocks. Start again. <laughs> <clears throat> Good start. Well, hello and welcome to this, your May edition of the Reds Review, your audio magazine for all things Liverpool Football Club right here on Anfield Index. I am Andy Well, joined as ever by my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Guy Drinkle, here to help us, uh, well I was going to say, not the th- it's not exactly choppy waters that we're, uh, we're sailing through, is it? Well no, not really, I mean, it's stre- stressful waters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not plain sailing, <laughs> No, it's not choppy, but it's certainly stressful, so yeah. It's somewhere <laughs> between Titanic and a holiday. so yeah we're we're sailing this this big old uh, luxury holiday cruiser around the islands and let's just hope we don't hit any rocks along the way and end up on its side like that one in italy or whatever that was oh god yeah let's hope not anyway (laughs) guys look um april has been good again this season has been incredible um, it's been an unbelievable season, and I, I know we will do it in closing. But we'll say, you know, the next time we we come back, we'll either have zero trophies, one trophies, or two trophies. But however it goes, guy, um, it it has to be said, this has just been an incredible season from one hell of a team. I, that that's the terrifying thing is that this is. Not only Liverpool's best ever Premier League team, this is one of the best ever Premier League teams. And as you said, we could win nothing in the Premier League. Yeah. 
So I really hope Man City kind of like liquidate in the next month or so because that'd just be lovely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean th- this team, I mean, the start of the season, I was probably thinking we're top two, top three teams in the in the in the league. Jesus, they've just exceeded my expectations in, in every way, shape, and fo- shape or form. I mean, defense pretty much perfect. I mean, the only the bad spot there is the fitness record of them all, really, apart from Virgil. Um, but outside of that, midfield has just, it's got better as the seasons came on. That that includes the people that half Twitter doesn't like and half really like. Um, and the forward line, I mean, they've taken turns being good and bad, but now in the closing part of the season, all three of them seem to be good. And, I mean, it would have been great if they, had, they picked up form a bit more in the winter period, but, I mean, they're finishing it. We're pretty much finishing it as perfectly as possible, Andy. Yeah, and and that's the thing that look before we do, you know, finish off the season as we heading into these these final few matches, it, it is it is right just to to take a moment just to say, look, uh, recognize how good they are, and just say, look, you, it's been incredible. It really has, and I think you were right. You hit it, hit the nail squarely on the head. This team has exceeded our expectations at the start of the season. And that doesn't mean, you know, if we don't win anything, we're just going to go, well, that's okay, because we did better than we thought. Well, obviously, we'll be disappointed. But I, I've said this a number of times, Guy. I will be very disappointed, obviously. I'll be a bit heartbroken, but I won't be absolutely devastated and completely flatlined like I have in previous campaigns, purely because I don't feel like this is a one-and-done uh, this is this, this. This just feels different. This team is. This is the start of this team rather than the end of just an, an unbelievable season. Yeah, I mean the, the whole squad is just not the squad. Actually, the whole football club itself is just completely different. Obviously, um, the Julia title challenge was a bit just a smidge before my time. So if I'd start on 08 or nine with Rafa. Um, the deficiencies were there. The ownership was obviously two bell ends, <laughs> to put it to put it bluntly, and obviously there was problems with like Xabi Alonso. You you knew he was going and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't think many expected us to go from pretty much second to seventh for whatever it was last season. But anyway, um, but you, the the club was still kind of in turmoil then, and thirteen fourteen, everyone everyone just knew Suarez was going, wasn't he? And it's a bit harsh saying we're, we were a one a one player team back then, because obviously Sturridge was fantastic, Sterling was becoming fantastic, Henderson was what well, what we're seeing today, fortunately. Um, but it, if it did really feel feel like that that season was built on quicksand, but especially with the defence and the midfield just being there for mad reasons and. Um, yeah, but th- this this season, it literally top to bottom, you can see, you can just see how how the process has kind of came along. I mean, the defense was a pro- was our Achilles heel for probably the best part of a decade or a little bit less. Um, but now we've got Van Dijk, and as long as he stays fit, touch wood. I mean, you can you can build around that. But even 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 if Van Dijk missed a couple games or whatever. I mean, if we had Matip and Gomez play a few, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't be confident, but I wouldn't exactly be crapping myself like I did in the uh, past seasons without a world-class centre-back. And um, midfield, I mean, we've got a million options. Probably, I trust most of them, apart from one or two. And up front, up front's probably where the most Im- improving we can do, just the, the um, filling out the squad rather than starters, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you just see, you see you see the little gaps in the squad, and you're just like, even just looking at the links, you're like, well, yeah, we're going to address that in the summer. So it's not perfect because we haven't obviously had the success of a perfect club, but you just you just get the feeling just like we are just we are run properly for the first time probably in the Premier League era, if that's fair yeah. to say. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. Uh, and you talk about the defence. I mean, before we get into the matches, we've had the PFA um, team of the season, the Premier League team of the season. Uh, Liverpool featured heavily in it. Uh, obviously, Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, Sadio Mane in there, and, and a testament to to the two teams fighting it out at the top. The you know ten of the eleven places in that team were taken by those two teams, and uh, you know beyond the players that got in there, you would <laughs> there would be shouts for Allison to be in there, for Moore to be in there, for Genie Vinaldum to be in mm. there. Ahead of certainly ahead of Pogba, so I think it is again. It's testament to how well we've done this season that it's you know any selections for these team of the seasons and these player awards, and I know it's not about all these individual honours, but it just bears testament that these two teams, Liverpool, and Manchester City, are dominating these things because the players have been so good. Uh, and Virgil named PFA Player of the Year, richly, richly deserved in my view. Um, I mean. Sterling's got the the Football Writers Award for Player of the Season, but I, I think I don't know about you guys, but I I really do feel that Virgil's been head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, obviously, as a Liverpool podcast and both Liverpool fans, it's only natural. But if you just look at how he's transformed a team that was bad, not just pretty bad, absolutely awful. Lovren was peak Lovren. And then Van Dijk came in and made him a, a, an acceptable member of the squad. Matip's having a a, 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 a a rejuvenated career at Liverpool after he fell down the pecking order, and, and now nobody'd say otherwise if he if he started next season as a first choice centre back. Look at what he did with Gomez in the first part of the season, and I, in my lifetime, I mean, probably Suarez aside and Gerrard. But this is obviously a defender, so it's a bit different. I've not seen a player have this much of an impact just on his own. Like he's came into a squad of players who were good, but in his particular area were simply just bad. And he just it's literally took us from being one of the worst defenses, probably except Arsenal in the top six of England, to being the best defense in the world. That is mad. And it didn't just start when, like, Allison came in. This was happening with Carrius and goal. We were improving that much. Yeah. Well, there's a, here's a stat for you, Guy. In in his time at Liverpool, he has never been dribbled past. Not once. No player has dribbled, successfully dribbled past Virgil van Dijk. Is that right? I thought I <laughs> yeah. thought I thought it was like in his early days. Like some, I was someone asked me about this today. Actually, I thought someone like Mikel Marino tr- <laughs> dribbled past yeah. him or something. But if that's right, I mean, oh, it's just stupid. I, yeah. It's just uh, 
he's just a different force, isn't he? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm no great watcher of European football, but when you when you see people just talk about who's the best centre back in the world, and they'll say Varane or, or Ramos, I mean Ramos especially. I, I've never seen him. I've seen him have great games, but I've never seen him have great defensive games. Whereas with Van Dijk, his normal game is an eight out of ten defensively. Mm. And it, it's just unheard of. I mean, we've had great centre backs at Liverpool in my time supporting it: Carragher, Agger, um, Hippier, um, and even like good ones like Sacco and and stuff like that. But this bloke is just a different level to anything I've seen in my lifetime. I, I'm not sure if you've seen much of Hansen, but is there any yeah, comparable I, I, thing there? I, I was I mean I, I was privileged to see Hansen, yeah. And I think I think Alan Hansen would have loved playing alongside Virgil van Dijk and the two would have complemented each other as well. So in, in of my lifetime, this that would be the best ever Liverpool defend uh, centre back <laughs> partnership. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of really good ones. I've seen some good average poor ones uh but these two by far definitely for me in my time of watching liverpool for for um uh, longer than i'd care to remember since the mid 80s mm-hmm. the they are the best two uh, and that's that that's just how how good he's been and how how much he's he's took things on in the last 18 months so um certainly he deserves recognition doesn't he and 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 let's hope let's hope uh, the most important thing is the team get the recognition in terms of getting to lift them shiny trophies. So let's let's get into the matches then, guy. Because April, um, it's well, in terms of results, it's a perfect month. Um, performances, I'd say we we we've played within ourselves at times, but I think it's a kind of it. It smacks of the maturity level that we've we've developed over this season as well because. We started with the win away at Southampton. We we won 3-1. Yes, Shane Long scored because obviously, <laughs> you know, Shane Long yeah. just uh, kind of suddenly remembered in that game that he's a striker and he's supposed to score goals. So he decided that for the first time in about four or five years, he's going to score a goal. Um, some people were getting a little bit twitchy, but I've got to say, guy, I felt really serene in this game. As much as the Southampton got about us and we looked a little uncomfortable and took some time to settle, I felt once we settled, that there's just this. This was the game that convinced me that there is absolute belief in this squad that they will win games, no matter how they start them. They can win any game, uh, and and that's what we went on to do. Yeah, I mean, looking back, this was probably not our best or worst performance, but this was probably our toughest game. Looking looking at the actual game, because Southampton, I mean, obviously a team um, that's re- rejuvenated itself with Ralph Hasenhutl, which is probably one of the biggest managerial upgrades ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, this, looking back, I mean, Southampton really did trouble us in the opening part of that game. I can't remember when we actually scored our first goal, but yeah, they they really did. Um, Really did trouble us, and um, that's it. That's the one. I remember that Naby Keita really stepped up in this game, and obviously we'll, we'll mention him again later on. A spoiler, um, but yeah, it's just this is this is a game to me that showed a, a, a maturity that's developed in in a team in this team because last season this would be a game where it'd probably get out of hand um, quite quickly, whereas. After they scored, we kind of 
we didn't take control immediately, but as soon as the game settled in, we weren't letting them. We weren't letting them do anything. Whereas in previous years, the chaos would just continue for far too long, and then we couldn't grab grab a hold of the game again. Whereas in this one, it's not instant, but it was quite gradual. We just ended up eventually just regaining control, and then the midfield did its thing, and then eventually the forward line did its thing. And more importantly, this was pro- I think this was the first game where we saw Henderson back as an eight, and Naby Keita started his um, mini renaissance or whatever the hell we're going to call that. But this is I think this is almost the the game where the midfield preferred midfield three was born. I know that's probably harsh on mm. Ginny Van Alden, but I mean th- it just this midfield just seemed to add more balance and probably better in the next few games that we saw a more balanced version of it. But yeah, the midfield is probably what was born out of this game, but it was a really impressive performance, if, if not one of the best of the uh, of the month. Yeah, it almost like a catalytic game. Mm. You know, we, we we rode out an early storm, got back in it, it's the launching pad for Naby, he scores. Um, Mo Salah finally breaks his duck, finally gets that elusive 50th Liverpool goal, and then... And then, yeah, John Henderson comes on and scores himself. And, and so, yeah, so if, it does feel like a real launching pad of a game for Liverpool. And next up was Porto at home in the Champions League. Um, not, not quite the 5 0 away from home of last season, but a professional p- uh, performance guy, I think, you know, dispatching them 2 0. The tie was, wasn't completely done, but Liverpool were in a comfortable position after a, a thoroughly, like you say, professional performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, this is, um, I think we mentioned it on the Champions League preview that was doing, that doing the rounds now. And if you listen to this later in the month, just before the Barca tie. Um, but again, this was just a proper professional Rafa-esque Champions League performance. Not a, don't concede at home, whether that's a nil-nil draw or a, a comfortable win, which this turned out to be. It's just, it, it it's just so professional. I mean, we we rotated the back line as well. I mean, we put this was a Lovren game as well, um, and this was I think this was the first time that midfield I mentioned in the previous game actually started. And again, hella impressive. And we we got to sub two of the front three off, um, and yeah, come out two nil. I mean, Morega if he was actually good may have done something across both the games. But yeah, we we got away pretty much scot free. I mean, the second leg, which we'll talk about in the min, wasn't as pretty. But yeah, we the home leg was just a proper professional job. Yeah, I think you summed that up nicely there. A, a, a Rafa-esque performance. <laughs> um, next up, Chelsea, and this was. I mean, it finished two nil, guy. But I, I know Chelsea had a couple of really good opportunities and whatnot. Uh, and we kind of blew them away in a, in a spell of you know about five minutes. But the match itself, it was pretty much eighty minutes Liverpool, ten minutes Chelsea. Uh, mm. It really was that dominant, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and Chelsea have become somewhat of a bogey team for us, um, especially at Anfield in, in, in recent times as well. And again, I don't want to keep using the same adjective in, in professional, but that's what this was. We just we just went into that game and just went. Well, we've won. Screw you. We're winning this game. There's nothing you can do. 
Fabinho was a glorious shithouse in this game. Yeah, first thing he did was snap Hazard. What, <laughs> what else can you do? He didn't even get booked for it, the beautiful bastard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this this was. I mean, we mentioned more breaking his duck and and thing like and uh, stuff like that. Obviously, he had a very good month. But th- this game, he was just on a next level. I know he scored a worldie and stuff like that, but just everything he did in this game was just gold dust. Just absolute gold dust. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, well, well, that, that goal, Andy. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I wonder what goal of the month will be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, this game. I mean, if there was a game that summed up the gap between the top four race and the top two, it, this was it. I know Chelsea smashed these six nil or whatever it was a, a few months ago, and that that obviously highlights it as well. But in terms of just a controlled performance, where Chelsea weren't stinking out the place. I mean, they defended okay at times, but we we just controlled that game for eighty minutes, as you said. And yeah, again, midfield three, brilliant. Normal back four, brilliant. Front three. Probably, this was probably one of the first ones where they, all three of them started to perform. I think, if I remember correctly, Firmino had a bit of a, a naff first half and stepped up in the second half, um, which I think he did that a couple of times in this month, actually. But Yeah, yeah. they re- really are clicking together, aren't they? Mm. They really are. But like you said, you know, Mo Salah, he was gold dust, uh, and he is, you know, the, the Egyptian dream. There he is. <laughs> the oh, God. Little reference there for you, Guy. Um, we'll move along to uh, the away leg of Porto then. We we came out 4-1 winners. Uh, another game where we really came under the cosh in the first half for probably about half an hour up until the point where, well, 26 minutes actually, uh, Mane scored uh, and everyone <laughs> was like, we thought it just been ruled off, thought it must be offside because he looked a million miles offside until you saw, well, until VAR decided to... Uh, actually decided that the goal was it was good and then they started the showing us the replays like oh yeah actually he was onside and it, yeah, so you had uh, an anticlimactic goal but that was pretty much it we that was that was the tie done and dusted really wasn't it yeah as soon as we got the first i think um the game could have either just descended into chaos and been another five nil or um, well, he kind of did, but we weren't, we weren't exactly as good as we were last year in that regard, but as soon as the first one went, went in, job done. Um, that was a brilliant use of VAR, well, not use, but that's what VAR's for. I mean, I, I thought it was offside. I'm sure you did, Andy. I'm sure 100% of people thought it was offside, but it just wasn't. Yeah. And, some, uh, some quicker replays might have helped, but, um, yeah. Mm. That's I mean, it. you that, can yeah. understand why it took that long. To be fair, when you actually see the replay, <laughs> yeah, it was it was certainly close. But that, like you say, that is what VAR is there for, um, because that you know they're, they're game changing decisions. So uh, credit to Port, or they still that they did keep going, and they eventually got they did get a goal that they they probably deserved over the two ties. You got to say, mm. but. But then it, you know, second half it was it was a real good counter attacking performance and. You know, four-one, we finish up winning. We're through to the semi-finals. I mean, it's hard to ask for much more, really, isn't it? Oh God, no! I mean, the, the Champions League. I mean, the the Champions League campaign. We just seem to turn a switch on on the knockout stages and just go. Well, enough of that troubling away form that we had in the group stage. We'll just come go to Porto, go to Bayern, 
piece of piss. Why not? And Andy, before we move off this game, I've just noticed something. I'm, I'm using a flash score to look at all the results and stuff. Yellow card for Pepe for roughing. <laughs> don't know why that. Don't know what that um, accounts to, but I, I love that. Every time Pepe gets a yellow card, it is now for roughing up people. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Pepe. Um, Nobody next up, does. No, next up was Cardiff away. Um, an uncomfortable game. I think it's fair to say that they um, they, they made things a little uncomfortable, but really it was again, it was a dominant performance, and we managed to uh, to boil the piss of Neil Warnock, which is always a always a bonus. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned this is this was probably not our worst performance. I mean, the portal. Second leg was probably our worst performance, our worst half of football. But this was, this was probably the most frustrating one because it took quite a while for us to get that opening. We weren't exactly cutting them open, if I remember correctly. And yeah, we had the Fabinho injury as well, which obviously worked out. With yeah, the that, that came on. Yeah, yeah, that did come later. It was. I, I was on the post match, and and I felt it was the, the first half was very pedestrian from us. Yeah. Uh, second half, we did kind of we started to step it up, but when Genie Van Alden scored, that was it. That the the game just turned from mm-hmm. that point on. Yeah, there was the, Cardiff were were not getting back into it at all. We we just stepped up a gear and they couldn't live with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the first goal went in. They had to change their entire game plan. And I mean, if if we scored earlier, it could have descended into something else, but. Again, it's just one of them professional games. I mean, it was a must-win, and we did. We won. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I wouldn't like to play that poorly against a Neil Warnock team again, because he, he deserves all the pain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, especially... Uh, yeah. And there was, obviously, there's the, the penalty thing in there with Salah. I mean, I, I said straight after, look, absolute nailed-on penalty. There's Absolutely. no two ways about it. I don't care how, you know, yeah, he drops to the floor... But he's been fouled like three times, and Martin Atkinson's looking at it, and he's not going to give the penalty until he falls to the floor. And that is, you know, he falls to the floor because that's what referees are forcing the players to do. Because even though the, the the offense is being committed, they're not blowing up for the foul until the play goes to ground. So that is why players are going to ground. So they can moan and piss and whine all they like. Uh, it won't change the fact that that was a big lump fouling a vastly superior player, which means it's a penalty. Simple as that. Absolutely, um, and you're right. Well, as soon as you mentioned Martin Atkinson, you, you knew you know the story there. <laughs> He's not very good, uh, but yeah, it, it, only stupid people would argue that's not a penalty. And yeah, it's just it's just Man City fans and United fans and stuff like that. I mean, it's probably the most stored wall penalty that Moore's had this season, and he's had a good few, and he's had a good few that weren't given as well. I mean, a couple of his have been soft. I but I won't say the dives because they've actually touched him and stuff. But he has got this reputation now. But that is just absolutely stone wall. Like, it, it, there's no debate about it. It's stone wall. Yeah. Uh, look, I'll be honest. I've seen him take a couple of dives this season. One, one against Chelsea, which was, uh, which was not good because it doesn't help his reputation. But he has been fouled in the box, and he's got penalties for fouls. So, 
yeah, he's had to go down because when he stayed on his feet, he wasn't getting penalties. So uh, stick that one up, you, all you detractors out there. Who cares? Right, uh, moving on. Then last game of the home to Huddersfield Friday night football. Um, I was very much serene going into this game. I felt that we could score a few goals here, and thankfully for me and you, guy, we didn't predict a big a big score line. Uh, because that tends to have the opposite effect. Um, and we duly delivered 5-0, an absolute thumping of a match. Yeah, um, I, I I think we can take the credit on this one, Andy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, like a, it wasn't even a vintage performance. That's the thing, isn't it? It wasn't like we played really, really well. We just, when we turned it on in spits and spurts, it was just so much more than Huddersfield could handle that we blasted five past them. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, we, well, we changed that. Uh, we give Sturridge a game. Well, well, we had to give someone a game because Bobby was out and um, Lovren played as well. Uh, and it was just, it was just brilliant again. Um, Sturridge was fine playing that role. I mean, he was, what, what do you expect from a player who's not started a game in about a million years? And, I mean, Moore was just on fire. Robbo was back to his best, probably his best game of the month. Um, Mane, it, Mane had a right weird game. He barely took, well, to, to the eye test, I'm not sure statistically if it's right. Mane seemingly never touched the ball, but somehow should have definitely had a hat-trick. <laughs> it was a proper weird performance from uh, from Mane. He, he just seemed to be on the end of everything rather than contributing to, to the creative side of it. But again... Nabi was fantastic. Um, we've seen Ginny go back into the six and Hendo um, as the ace, which I mean that that's probably another interesting thing that we've uh, seen um, since Hendo's gone back in the eight. That Ginny's now seemingly the backup six, which is quite good defensively. I mean, Lovren had that stupid moment, which well, you just expect where he yeah he had a few like yeah <laughs> yeah that was a weird thing. There was there was a few. Lots of good performances in there, but there was there was some good one. Like you say, Nabi, Nabi, Mo, and Sadio were, were all really, really good. I, I gave my man a match to to um, Andy Robertson. I thought he was excellent all game. It was just constant, wasn't it? Up and down, up and down. It just a constant threat. And it was for me, it was good to see Andy Andy Robertson back to back to his best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. <laughs> People seem to brush under the carpet that he's probably not had the best 2019. And this is not me saying he's not the best left-back in the Premier League. or, or Well, I don't know about world because I, I don't watch any other football. But he's definitely the best one in the league. He's probably one of the best in the world. And it's fair to say he's not had the best couple, a few months of the start of this year. But he's still playing. He's still defending quite well for the most part. I mean, there was a couple of games at the very start of the year where he was a bit dodgy, but he's still defending well. His attacking has been less consistent, it's probably fair to say, but in this Huddersfield game, he was just a bit of everywhere. Like, he was just, as you mentioned, he's up and down, up and down, and he had that complete left side on his own. I mean, Huddersfield are not very good. <laughs> but no, <Robertson>, they're not. <laughs> yeah, Robertson was just brilliant that game. I think I gave it to Salah because I thought he was just everywhere and you yeah. could have gave it to Naby, you probably could have given it to Mane. It, it, it was just, there's just so many good performers in this game. But 
I think they made the point on rate don't hit. You probably have to knock everyone down a, down the point just because it was Huddersfield. But yeah, yeah it's, um, that's it. They're not, they're, you know, they're not very good. But mm. but hey, it was nice. We got our goal difference up, so That'll you know do. we're with him. Sorry, it'll do. It'll do exactly. Yeah, it'll do. Five nils, not bad. Is it? It's all right. Take like every <laughs> <Yeah>. week. <laughs> Can't, Can't complain yeah, too much. All right. Hey, so right, let's get on to our award section then. Um, obviously Virgil's already walked away with a PFA Player of the Year award. Um, but most, much more prestigious is the, the Reds Review Goal of the Month and Player of the Month awards. Um, Goal of the Month guy, um, I've got a sneaky suspicion of which one you're going to go for. Milner penalty. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that penalty was worth a little bit more just just for how much annoyance that it caused around the world. But yeah, yeah, it didn't quite have enough extra stuck onto it to get near that goal. It it it. The only answer here is more Salah. I know you had to put out a poll, Andy. But I it, did put out a poll. Yes, yes. yeah, and I'm yeah. sure you struggled to pick that second goal. And, uh, but yeah, it is. It is just more Salavi Chelsea because, eh, God, I mean, goal of the season is going to be tough because two of them came against Chelsea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, more more Salavi Chelsea. I mean, just just an absolute thunder bastard, and I love a thunder bastard. <laughs> now. In the uh, the Twitter poll, I'd, I gave the options of the Salah goal versus Southampton, which was again, you know, he he got his fiftieth goal, so there was the the narrative behind it. But it was a breakaway, carried it so well, went past plays and finished it superbly. That itself was a really good goal. The Genie Van Alden goal against Cardiff was a, a sensational half volley, which normally would be enough to win you a goal of the uh, month award. But yeah, that. That Salah strike v Chelsea, oh my word! Uh, oh wow, <laughs> it is it is a wow moment. It just it is a real wow moment when a player strikes a ball as perfectly uh, as that, and it nestles in the top corner like it did. It was just absolutely sensational, uh, and and I will struggle to get a goal that comes near it for goal of the season. I'll argue Daniel Sturridge, but that's for the next pod, Andy. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, we'll be some fun. Goal of the goal of the season will be a fun one then, because next next month's um, res review, it will not just be obviously review in May, but we'll be you know rounding up the season. So we'll have our goal of the season, player of the season award. So we'll we'll be looking forward to some fun in that one. But yeah, Salah got the uh, got eighty eighty six percent of the the um, of the poll. Van Alden got eight, and Salah's against Southampton got five. So, um, yeah, pretty emphatic that Mo Salah walks away with that Goal of the Month award. Rightfully so. That's still a yeah. lot of wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's still 14% people who are wrong. Uh, now, what about Player of the Month? Because this one was a lot harder to call, and I'll, I said I'll put out, I put it out on Twitter as well, asking for contributions who who thought what um the options were Keita Salah Mane and obviously if you had a different opinion you could um tag that on but all the votes just went to those three and they were very very evenly split but Mane won out just he got 36% of the votes and that's how close it was so um did you go along with that one then Sadio Mane is player of the month for April um 
I, I understand it. I mean, he's he's definitely top three for me. Um, just to mention, well, mine firstly is it. It's got for me. It's got to be more Salah. I think this is the month where he's kind of reintroduced himself as probably the best attacker in the Premier League, in my opinion. And I think he's came. He's coming back for his fraud. I mean, he's obviously annoyed that he wasn't in the PFA team, but he's now top goal scorer in the Premier League, so it kind of makes a nonsense of that, doesn't it? Um, yeah, more more Salah for me. He was just as soon as he got that first goal against Southampton, or his his first goal back against Southampton. I, I think he's just kind of gone up back to back to his levels of last season, and. Um, yeah, he he's just he was just fantastic. I think that might have actually started against Tottenham. I know he got that crappy own goal header thing, but I think it started against Tottenham and then this month he's just built on it. And built on it. But a couple um notable mentions from me, Andy, because this is where the interesting stuff comes from. I'm not gonna steal yours because I know who yours are gonna be, but I think we have to mention Jordan Henderson for this month. Um Yeah. I think we actually do, you you you're right, yeah. He does deserve an honourable mention. Um, I, I wouldn't have had him as my player of the month, mm-hmm. but he certainly deserves recognition because, like as you've mentioned, he's he's come back into the team in a different role. He's asked to be played in a more advanced role, and and he's being used in this eight role that we used to see and he used to be so good at, and he has played really really well when he's when either coming on as a sub or starting the games in, in this position. It certainly seems to suit him better, doesn't it? Oh, it's literally chalk and cheese opposite. He's he's now gone from being a player of just huge frustration for me to being one I'm literally like, if he's not in the team, I'm like wondering where the hell is he? Because he, this version of John Henderson is the one I've been wanting since Klopp decided he was a number six. And he's just, he's just well, he's proved, him, he's proved his belief in himself to be correct. And I mean, it, it, as I mentioned earlier, it just shows that well, not not Klopp making a mistake, but I think Henderson has just proved to Klopp that he is a number eight rather than a number six, and that's shown with Ginny being back up number six now. So get he's now gone from being a source of frustration to being a key member of the squad that even in this next season and, and future seasons, you can see just being a useful part of the rotation, if not a starter, because we don't know who, what we're going to sign in the summer. But I, John Henderson is a number eight. No complaints. Absolutely yeah. no complaints. If not one yeah. of the first names in midfield, especially with this current crop. But yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant there. Yeah. So uh, um, an honourable mention for John Henderson. Sadio Mane getting the uh, the listeners' player of the month. Uh, and Mo Salah getting your player of the month award. Yeah. Who have you yeah. gone for, Andy? I've gone for Naby out of them options. I, I think he's been really, really good. And, and I think he just... It seems to have all fitted into place for him now. I think he looks he looks happier. He looks like he's he's more settled. He looks like he's really sort of uh, got it because I think what we have to understand as well is that being a part of this Liverpool midfield is not just simply you just go out there and play. There is you know the whole pressing side of it. You know Klopp is very very organised and intricate in what he wants. You know it's very very definitive instructions and it's very deliberate as to what he wants from everyone and we saw that it took Fabinho a bit of time to get established in the in the position playing the way that that Klopp sees him playing for this team and once he's established he's a key member of that team now and I think it's just took Naby a little bit longer but now we're seeing it and 
you know, we're seeing him contributing goals, assists now, and and next season, I really feel that we we, we could we could uh, see him just step up even further and he could be absolutely sensational and become that player that so many of us that had seen him at Leipzig knew he could become. So I think he's been excellent throughout April, so Naby is my vote. Absolutely fair, I reckon, Andy. Absolutely fair. I mean, that Southampton game, it was probably one of our toughest games of the month, as I mentioned, when we were going in it, but it just seems so important. We had Naby getting re-established in the team. We had Henderson back as an eight. And it, since then, the midfield's just, it's just gone from strength to strength. And this is, and Fabinho's not even played the last few games due to, well, injury and rotation. And yeah, I mean, as soon, hopefully Fabinho's back for the, and we're going to talk about next month's games, but hopefully Fabinho's back for the Barcelona game and beyond. But them three in midfield, it's just something that's just there and it's just brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah Nabi. I mean, if we if we put Naby and Henderson together, that's probably position of the month. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 nice to have this embarrassment of riches, and it and it testament to performances throughout April that you know you could easily pick between three, four different players. So, right, moving on from the awards, then it's uh, time for an academy update, guy. And well, the youth team had a very productive month. They beat Manchester City uh, in the final of the FA Youth Cup. Yes, and I actually watched that game, so we could talk about it, Andy. I think you did as well, or part. I, I did, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't the best of games. Um, a game, a, a, one of them cliches, a game of two halves. Yeah, but but, but I've got. I I really was impressed with the left back. Yeah, Larucci, or however you pronounce it, because I mean I'm not good with English names. Never mind. I think he's French. Um, yeah, but he, he's. He's um he used to be a winger, I think, to my knowledge, but he's been put back to left back. I mean, if you're left footed, you get put to left back. That's kind of how football works, whether it's professionally or at the park. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he definitely seemed to be impressive. I thought first half he was a bit lost at times defensively, but second half he was part of the improvement. And I mean, I think people have touted Adam Lewis to potentially go into the squad, but I mean, Larucci might have the raw talent and attributes to probably surpassing because there's probably a lot more to work with there. I mean, Adam Lewis obviously used to be a midfielder himself. So, But yeah, Larucci was impressive. Um, it was such a bad game. <laughs> it really was. There wasn't much happening until Bobby Duncan scored that fluky goal with a goalkeeper error. But uh, as soon, I think as soon as we scored that goal, it was definitely going to extra time. And as soon as it went to pens, I thought, I thought we were going to win. Um but yeah, what a great moment. I mean, especially against Man City. I'm not sure what the leagues look like, but Man City obviously put huge amounts of income into their um, uh, uh, youth setups and su- and stuff like that. And I think Chelsea have dominated this cup for years or or, or whatever it is. But yeah, it's, it's a great moment for the youth for the um, youth lads. And I mean, it's never a bad thing to win, is it, Andy? No, not nice to get one over Man City mm. in their own in their own stadium as well. But I, I thought. Yeah, it wasn't a great it wasn't a great performance. Um, I, th- I think it was as much as anything. Man City shutting down the way that Liverpool wanted to play, uh, and you saw glimpses of of Glatzel, how good a player he is. Mm. Uh, he is, and obviously uh, Bobby Duncan quite explosive, as, as they mentioned. You know, he doesn't have to be in the game, and he's, and he's still influence um, proceedings. But what really impressed me was the composure of them young lads to step up. And and hit them penalties because they were excellent penalties. So uh, 
yeah, there's there's lots to be excited about for the future of Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we haven't even touched on the under-23s yet, and I mean, I think this was one of the games Ox came back, but I, I watched the highlights of this one. Um, we beat Leicester 6-0, with Rafa Camacho getting a hat-trick as well, so I mean, even at under-23 level, there's definitely talent there. Um well, there was a story with Rafa Camacho saying that's why he wants to play as a winger after that game, but then later on he seemed to um, not try and make it up to Klopp, but he talked about the influence Klopp had, and it'd be a shame if we lost Rafa Camacho, in my opinion. I know he's been linked with Sporting, and I think Benfica and Porto have actually been interested for like 10 to 15 million, but I think he, he could be one who actually is useful to the squad, because under 23s, seemingly for Liverpool are always in a bit of influx. I think we've done actually quite well this um this season in in the under twenty threes, but um yeah, Rafa's seemingly been the consistent standout in the under twenty threes and he could be the one who makes a, a step up to be not rotation but a, a different option to uh to Mo or Mana. But yeah, it seems to have been a good month for both you've set up, so I'll just go through yeah. the under twenty three results. Um and this is reverse order. Um, we lost to Blackburn 2-1, beat Leicester 6-0, as I mentioned, and we beat Chelsea 3-2, who I mentioned earlier. Chelsea have a, a really good youth setup. I think they're in the uh, um, Youth Champions League final. I think that might be today um, or this week at some point. Um, so that's interesting. And um, under-18s, yeah, we mentioned the cup final. Um, as we both watched that, but it wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, uh, reverse order again. Liverpool beat Wolverhampton 2-1. Don't know why I said Wolverhampton, should have said Wolves. <laughs> uh, but we drew free all with West Brom. And yeah, that's it. Obviously, the season's coming towards an end with all the cup competitions and stuff. But yeah, not a lot to talk about this month. But um, one thing we saw was Ox coming back. We obviously saw him against... Um, Huddersfield as well, Andy. Um, we've seen... Yeah, yeah, brief appearance. It was yeah. nice, a nice and positive performance as well when he came on. His touch looked really good. Yeah, and j- j- even even if he came on and gave a one out of ten, it would have been lovely to just see him back on. But he did exactly come on and played well. Yeah. yeah, great to see him back on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's um, that's the academy update. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, fair to say then that. The the under 18s have, have had a, a very um, a very positive season, so nice for them to to finish up by winning the FA Youth Cup. Because again, I know it, it's more about development than anything else at that age level, but it's still nice for them guys to to be a part of that team that won that trophy. So a, a nice moment for them lads. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think we're second in the league at minute under 18. Just having a quick Google there. Um, yeah. Yeah, so some talented young yeah. young lads on the book. So, mm. like you say, every, every, things looking positive for the future of Liverpool Football Club, which is, is great for all of us. Um, what about the fantasy football then, Guy? Um, <laughs> I've not done quite so well this season. But um, just just before you get onto the league things, I mean, Salah, top, top point scorer overall in fantasy football. Uh, we've got Mane, Robertson, Van Dijk in, in the top eight. But in the top, sorry, in the top six of point scorers across it. So, you know, Liverpool's good season on the pitch being reflected in fantasy football land. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking at the top goal scorers across the whole game, it's well, it's probably surprising there's not that many Man City players. To be honest, there's only two, but they do rotate quite a bit, whereas we don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
Salah, somehow again, not not in PFA team of the year. He's he's top by a mile. I mean, twenty three points is quite a lot in FPL. Top by that, and that's the hazard as well. He wasn't in the PFA team. I know it's weird <laughs> just judging it off of fantasy, but yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But yeah. that that is just that reflective in it of what mm-hmm. they're contributing in terms of goals, assists, and and whatnot. I mean, yeah. Allison, top of the goal scorer, uh, top of the goalkeepers, uh, Robertson, Van Dijk, and, and Trent are the top three out of all the defenders. Yeah, in midfield, Salah obviously top of that. Then you've got Hazard and Sterling, but then you've got Mane. So you know, if you if you want your Liverpool players in your team, you've had certainly had plenty to pick from this season. Yeah, if you've not had three Liverpool and three Man City players pretty much all the season, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> well, but, that'll be me then, because I don't yeah, put Liverpool players yeah, in there. Exactly. Just, just for the, my superstition, that's that's in only for that for that reason. But um, if you were to go on a tip, then tip for the last few games of the season, which Liverpool, which three Liverpool players do you think you sh- uh, you should have in your team? Oh God. Um, well, I've probably made well probably best to get Salah back in now that he's on a tear, um, and I'd probably still stick with the defence. Because, um, obviously, well, we don't know how the Champions League will go and last games of the season do tend to be frustrating affairs, probably the best way of putting it. So I'd probably stick with one of the um, attacking midfielders and then two of the defenders, if um, counting Alisson as well. I'd probably pick Robbo, Alisson and probably Salah at the minute, but mine would be fine, obviously. Um, and we're not sure how fit... Firmino is at the minute either, so yeah, probably best picking between um, two defenders and one one attacker. Yeah, uh, just before we, we we move on to the trivia, then um, do you want to tell us how things are shaping up in the in the different leagues? Oh yes, oh yes. Back in the contributors' league, um, Simon Dowling, Hefty Horse is still top. Uh, I think he's pretty much got that locked down. Um, so we won't crown him yet. He's not. He's not there yet, but we'll congratulations almost. Um, and that's... I'm only 450 <laughs> points behind him, so he, he still has to look over his shoulder. That'd be a hell of a game week, that Andy. <laughs> uh, but in terms of the uh, public league as well, I think this has stayed the same, but a couple a couple changes below as well. Um, real sociopath again, Andy Mason still top after defrauding Richard Merritt, who has now slipped back into third. I mean, he's bottled it worse than Spurs. <laughs> after all the season, though, the last two months he's bottled it. But yeah, he's he Spurs it. Yeah, absolutely. And in second is Pepper, Pepper Pig's Perfect Picks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on with that name. Uh, oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Oh, I hope he wins, but he's not going to. Oh, he might do. No, he's not that far away. He might do, actually. He he deserves to win. Pepper picks, perfect picks. I like that. That's fantastic. You, you des- Well, that's Sidat Alva. So, Sidat... We're rooting for you. You deserve an award. We, we're rooting for you. You deserve an award for that name alone, if you're listening. <clears throat> so, uh, finally then, on, on fantasy, you're still doing the podcast? Yeah, I think we're trying to do on this week. But obviously, it's quite tough with the Champions League and stuff. I might see if anyone's about tomorrow, and then just ignore the Champions League. But um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of grinding down. And then in the summer, we'll probably turn the fantasy pod into just 
t- transfers and shit like that. But yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll be still. I think there'll be at least one before the end of the season. I reckon. So let's see then. Uh, trivia. Are you ready then, guy? Oh, go on then. <clears throat> right. Uh, birthdays uh, in May. Sixth of May sees uh, Graeme Souness' birthday. He was born 1953. Tenth uh, of May is Adam Lalana, born 1988. So he turns 31. Young Adam Lalana. <clears throat> Young Adam Lalana. He's a, he's a cracking character and all that. Yeah. Fourteenth uh, of May, it's uh, the late Tommy Lawrence, uh, born 1940. The flying pig Tommy Lawrence, who goalkeeper in the Shankly area, uh, Shankly era. Um, excellent goalkeeper, really nice guy, lived in the area, so um, a very, very popular figure amongst fans. Uh, 22nd of May, it's uh, Rafa Camacho, born in 2000. So uh, he turns, uh, what, 19? Uh, 2000, I don't like that, Andy. <laughs> it's me, yeah, I know, it's, it's scary, isn't it? So he, he's turning 19, like you say, you know, a talented player, but coming to a bit of a crossroads, see what happens with him. Uh, 23rd of May, Joe Gomez turns 22, uh, and he uh, and it's nice to see him back playing as well. So mm. hopefully we'll see Gomez stay fit for a majority of the season, and uh, he can continue to flourish next season. And final birthday of the month is uh, May the third, the thirtieth, and it's Steven Gerrard. He turns 39. So many happy returns to uh, the legend Steven Gerrard, who could probably still pull on a shirt and and perform. Uh, maybe maybe on for about twenty minutes or so in this team, but probably be uh, in the team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, fan- oh, in- just fantastic, incredible player. Loved watching him all the way through. Mad that I I saw his debut, watched his full career, and now he's turned into a manager. And God, that makes me feel old. Um, some dates for your diary. Well, actually, I <clears throat> you know what, guy me in the history of Liverpool Football Club has seen so many FA Cup final wins, so many European Cup wins. Uh, we've lifted the Premier, the the League Championship trophy, I should say, um, in, in May throughout history so many times. Uh, and of, But what would be nice is, rather than us to keep reflecting on previous ones, is we, we add two new ones to the calendar because we know we've got uh, the 25th is uh, Istanbul Day, Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time we list, we lifted the uh, the uh, Champions League trophy, I know the final's on the first of June, but it would be nice to add an extra date to the diary for that. And how nice it would be that um, in future we'll look back and say on the twelfth of May, twenty nineteen, was when Liverpool lifted the Premier League crown. That would be nice, and nice mm. to add some dates to the old trivia calendar. That'd be lovely. Um... I won't mm. bring the mood down with my real thoughts of the Premier League at the minute, but yes, it'd be lovely, that Andy. Right, it's, let's go for our head-to-head predictions then. Um, Here we go. That's why we do the pod. Yeah, right. So, the Premier League title is still alive and kicking. Yeah, very much up mm-hmm. for grabs. Okay. The head-to-head... Predictions league between me and yourself. It's not. All right. It's over. Is it? You are the champion. Yes. I have to concede. Um, going into the start of the month, you know, it was it, it was still within reach. Uh, so I had to go for some different results, didn't I? So against Southampton, you predicted three one. I went for two one. It finished three one. So you got three points. 
I got the one, and that was pretty much it. Uh, next up, Chelsea, you predicted 2-1. I went superstitiously for 1-1. We won 2-0, thanks to me predicting a draw. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I could claim 10 moral points, but I can't. Uh, so you got one, I got zero. Um, you went 3-0 card, uh, in the Cardiff game, I went 1-0 and finished 2-0, so we've both got a point for that. And then Huddersfield, we resisted temptation. You went 2-0, I went 3-1, it finished 5-0, <laughs> so we both got one point. So it means that with just two games to go, you have got 36 points, I have got 28, and and that's it. You are the champion guy, but can you hit 40 points? That's the all-important oh. thing. Oh, dear. I reckon I can. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> right. So two games to go. First up is Newcastle. What are you going to go for this one, then? Oh, do-do-do-do. Newcastle's attacking line has been pretty much battered the last few games, so I'll go 2-0 us. 2-0, yeah? Yep. I'm going to say 2-1 to us, because I think it's going to be tougher than some people think. And final game of the season, Liverpool are at home to Wolves. Um, it could be, the title could be on the line that day. Or how do you think it's going to end up? I think Liverpool Football Club will try and murder me. So I'll go for a 1-0 to us. <laughs> I'm going to go for another 2-1. I think Wolves are going to score first. And we're all going to be, yeah, reaching for different medication but we'll eventually come out of it unscathed. So that would mean, Guy, if we both get our predictions in there in terms of actual results mm -hmm. rather than scorelines, that Liverpool finished the season on 97 points. Now the question is, do you think that's going to be enough? I just don't. I don't, Andy. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, I, we we trusted Brendan Rodgers, for God's sake. Because Brighton aren't going to do shit, let's be honest. Um Oh, I, I just can't see Brendan Rodgers doing us a favour, if I'm honest. I think his team's just tailor-made for Man City. I know they had a couple of results at Celtic and stuff, but, yeah. I mean, a team that has potentially Wes Morgan at centre-back, I just can't see that not getting battered. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, so, I know. That, yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I think I do think, obviously, Vardy's got this incredible record against top six teams, and uh, and I suspect he will score a goal. But I also suspect that Man City will probably get that, an extra two thing. or three. Yeah, that is the thing. I can see Leicester scoring, but in terms of keeping a clean sheet, Maguire, Morgan, Johnny Evans, it's it's not sounding pretty, is it? And the fullbacks can't defend either. <laughs> yeah, it's not sounding pretty and it's not sounding oh. good on the football side either. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but I do believe, come on, Slabhead. You can do yeah. <laughs> if you could just put his great big massive forehead in the goal, it will just prevent anything going in there. Uh, but yeah, uh, and you don't think Brighton will do anything? I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, oh, no, don't do it, this, Andy. Oh, I know. You just have this weird feeling that somehow it's bright. If it's if it is going to go our way, it is the last day of the season, and it's Brighton with an unlikely one. But as I said, if and that's a big if. Right now, uh, they've had various different challenges, and Man City have, have stepped up to them all, like Liverpool are at the moment. And it's and it's just so difficult to see anything other than Man City winning their remaining games, and us heartbreakingly <laughs> losing the league 
despite scoring, uh, this, despite racking up 97 points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do have the other competition as well. <laughs> I suppose I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be too much of a downer. I mean, yeah. it's it's that thing, isn't it? It's just we can only do what we can do. We can only win our games and hope for the best. Uh, and and I, I do kind of feel that we will win our games. And it would be brilliant if something else could happen. It's just at the moment, Man City is just so good that it's hard to see anything happening. But you never know in football. You never know. You have to live in hope. But the other competition that you mentioned, yeah, we've got the semi-final this month coming up against Barcelona. How, how do you how do you feel this one's going? I know we've, we've got the Champions League preview podcasts with yourself and Sam joining me. Um, you, you, do mm-hmm. you feel that Liverpool will progress? Oh, <laughs> we obviously play in two days, <laughs> so we, I may look like a twat in a couple of days. Um, I think we will. I think the new camp will be a struggle because they're really, really good there. Um, but I think we'll get an I think we'll get an away goal and then Anfield. I think we can do enough. Um, I just really hope Fabinho's back because he's the sort of player who I think I like. I like Ginny and stuff like that. But Fabinho's just next level. I think he can really help in is dealing with Messi the right way or just like limiting Messi to one thing again. <laughs> I think that's what we need Fabinho for. I think if we get Fabinho, Robertson, and Van Dijk kind of in that triangle on in, in his area I think we might get through but I think we'll lose the first leg and then Anfield will be a tense affair mm. I think yeah second leg's just going to be I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible I look I wholeheartedly believe that we can overcome Barcelona over two legs We over two legs I think we can beat anybody and I think we can we're certainly capable of it I don't know for certain, you know, I can't put my hand on my heart and say, yeah, I think we absolutely will. I know we can, and I and I desperately, desperately hope that we do, but I'm I'm really unsure. I, I can't say, yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely feel like we're going to get knocked out, or I definitely feel we're going to go through. I just feel so like, oh, I, just, I really don't know. I, I can't call it. It's so, it's, I think it is that tight, and and that's, that in itself is just a testament, again, of just how far this team's come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just um, it's just mad. <laughs> we, it is, isn't got, it? we went from, like, what, 2010 to 2000, well, last year, 2018, wanting to get back into the Champions League. And as soon as we get back at the Champions League, ah, oh, semi-finals, piece of piss, it's fine. Obviously got into the final of the Europa League as well. It's just, it's amazing what a good manager will do when he doesn't yeah. um, oh. take the Champions League as a joke. But yeah, it's, mm. it's great. It's lovely. Yeah, I, 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 I guess the superstition in me doesn't want to nail my colours to a mask That's why as well. I said a semi-final. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's it is again. It's been another incredible journey, uh, and however it goes, again, you know, it's hard to be disappointed. And in, in in many respects, we've got nothing to lose here because if we lose, well, it's Barcelona. You know, they're the favourites to win the trophy anyway. If we win, we've just put Barcelona. It's fantastic, and it would be marvelous. It really would be marvelous to to crown the season on the first of June by going one step further than last year and actually winning it. It would be magnificent. So I desperately, desperately hope we do it. I know that we can do it. 
um, just uh, um, maybe it's the much nerves guy that just getting to it. I just I just find it so hard to call that you know exactly where it's going to go. But how how we would love to be coming back on the next edition of the Res View talking about um, finishing the season with with silverware. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird. I, mean, I think we'll get one of them. I don't think we'll get both. I think we'll get one of them. And I think, I don't want to jinx it, but I think the Champions League's more likely at the minute. And I, I, I'm i going to go with that one. I'd, okay. pre- I'd prefer the Premier League, but I think the Champions League's more likely. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, what a way to end your May edition of the uh, Reds Review Audio Magazine. It's looking good. Liverpool are in a great position, a fantastic position. The future's looking bright. We're, we're heading in the right way. And when we're back next month, uh, we will be reviewing May's matches. And as you say, we'll be giving out, handing out our season awards as well. Uh, we'll be looking for all your contributions in that. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for contributing. But from my, from Guy and myself, that's it for this month. And uh, like we say, hopefully when we're back next month, it's to talk about some nice little uh, trophies going in that plentiful trophy cabinet that Liverpool have. But until next month, from uh, from Andy Wales and Guy Drinkle here at the Res Review, it's bye-bye now. Network.